Book Twenty of Jerusalem Delivered by Toquato Tasso. Translated by Edward Fairfax. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Thomas Copeland. The Argument The pagan host arrives, and cruel fight makes with the Christians and their faithful power. The Soldan longs in field to prove his might. With the old king quits the besieged tower. Yet both are slain, and in eternal night a famous hand gives each his fatal hour. Rinald appeased Armida. First the field the Christians win, then praise to God they yield. The sun called up the world from idle sleep, and of the day ten hours were gone and passed, when the bold troop that had the tower to keep espied a sudden mist that overcast the earth with murksome clouds and darkness deep and saw it was the Egyptian camp at last which raised the dust, for hills and valleys broad that host did overspread and overload. There with a merry shout and joyful cry the pagans reared from the besieged hold, the cranes from Thrace with such a rumor fly, his hoary frost and snow when Hyam's old pours down, and fast to warmer regions high, from the sharp winds, fierce storms, and tempests cold and quick and ready this new hope and aid their hands to shoot their tongues to threaten made from whence their ire their wrath and hardy threat proceeds the french well knew and plain espied for from the walls and ports the army great they saw her strength her number pomp and pride swelled their breasts with valor's noble heat battle and fight they wished arm arm they cried the youth to give the sign of fight all prayed their duke and were displeased because delayed till morning next for he refused to fight their haste and heat he bridled but not break nor yet with sudden fray or skirmish light of these new foes would he vain trial make after so many wars he says good right it is that one day's rest at least to take for thus in his vain foes he cherish would the hope which in their strength they have and hold to see Aurora's gentle beam appear, the soldiers armed, pressed, and ready lay. The skies were never half so fair and clear as in the breaking of that blessed day. The merry morning smiled, and seemed to wear upon her silver crown sun's golden ray. And without cloud, heaven his redoubled light bent down to see this field, this fray, this fight. When first he saw the daybreak show and shine, Godfrey his host in good array brought out and to besiege the tyrant aladine raymond he left and all the faithful rout that from the towns was come of palestine to serve and succor their deliverer stout and with them left a hardy troop beside of gascoigne's strong in arms well proved oft tried such was godfredo's countenance such his cheer that from his eye sure conquest flames and streams heaven's gracious favors in his looks appear and great and goodly more than erst he seems his face and forehead full of noblest were and on his cheek smiled youth's purple beams and in his gait his grace his acts his eyes somewhat far more than mortal lives and lies he had not marched far ere he aspired of his proud foes the mighty host draw nigh a hill at first he took and fortified at his left hand which stood his army by broad in the front behind more straight uptired his army ready stood the fight to try and to the middle ward well armed he brings his footmen strong his horsemen served for wings to the left wing spread underneath the bent of the steep hill that saved their flank and side the roberts twain two leaders good he sent his brother had the middle ward to guide 
to the right wing himself in person went, down where the plain was dangerous, broad and wide, and where his foes, with their great numbers, would perchance environ round his squadrons bold. There all his Lorrainers and men of might, all his best armed he placed, and chosen bands, and with those horse some footmen, armed light, that archers were, used to that service, stands. The adventurers then, in battle and in fight well tried, a squadron famous through all lands, on the right hand he set, some deal aside. Rinaldo was their leader, lord, and guide, to whom the duke. In thee our hope is laid of victory. Thou must the conquest gain. Behind this mighty wing so far displayed, thou with thy noble squadron close remain. And when the pagans would our backs invade, assail them then, and make their onset vain. For if I guess aright, they have in mind to compass us, and charge our troops behind. Then through his host, that took so large a scope, he rode, and viewed them all, both horse and foot. His face was bare, his helm unclosed and ope. Lightened his eyes, his looks bright fire shot out. He cheers the fearful, comforts them that hope, and to the bold recounts his boasting stout, and to the valiant his adventures hard. These bids he look for praise, those for reward. At last he stayed, whereof his squadron's bold and noblest troops assembled was best part. There from a rising bank his will he told, and all that heard his speech thereat took heart. And as the molten snow from mountains cold runs down in streams, with eloquence and art, so from his lips his words and speeches fell, shrill, speedy, pleasant, sweet, and placid well. My hardy host, you conquerors of the east, you scourge wherewith Christ whips his heathen phone, of victory behold the latest feast, see the last day for which you wished alone. Not without cause the Saracens, most and least, our gracious Lord hath gathered here in one, for all your foes and his assembled are, that one day's fight may end seven years of war. This fight shall bring us many victories, the danger none, the labor will be small. Let not the number of your enemies dismay your hearts, grant fear no place at all, for strife and discord through their army flies, their bands ill-ranked themselves entangle shall, and few of them to strike or fight shall come, for some want strength, some heart, some elbow-room. This host, with whom you must encounter now, are men half-naked, without strength or skill, from idleness or following the plough, late pressed forth to war against their will. Their swords are blunt, shields thin, soon pierced through. Their banners shake, their bearers shrink, for ill their leaders heard, obeyed, or followed be. Their loss, their flight, their death, I well foresee. Their captain, clad in purple, armed in gold, that seems so fierce, so hardy, stout, and strong, the Moors, or weak Arabians, vanquished good, yet can he not resist your valors long. What can he do, though wise, though sage, though bold, in that confusion, trouble, thrust, and throng? Ill-known is he, and worse he knows his host. Strange lords ill-feared are, ill-obeyed of most. But I am captain of this chosen crew, with whom I oft have conquered, triumphed oft. Your lands and lineages, long since I knew, each knight obeys my rule, mild, easy, soft. I know each sword, each dart, each shaft I view, although the quarrel fly in skies aloft. 
whether the same of Ireland be or France, and from what bow it comes, what hand perchance. I ask an easy and a usual thing, as you have oft, this day so win the field. Let zeal and honor be your virtue's sting, your lives, my fame, Christ's faith, defend and shield. To earth these pagans slain and wounded bring, tread on their necks, make them all die or yield. What need I more exhort you? From your eyes I see how victory, how conquest flies. Upon the captain, when his speech was done, it seemed a lamp and golden light down came, as from night's azure mantle oft doth run or fall a sliding star or shining flame. But from the bosom of the burning sun proceeded this, and garland-wise the same Godfredo's noble head encompassed round, and, as some thought, foreshowed he should be crowned. Perchance, if man's proud thought or saucy tongue have leave to judge or guess at heavenly things, this was the angel which had kept him long, that now came down and hid him with his wings. While thus the duke bespeaks his armies strong, and every troop and band in order brings, Lord Emmeren his host disposed well, and with bold words wet on their courage fell. The man brought forth his army great with speed. In order good his foes at hand he spied. Like the new moon his host two horns did spread, in midst the foot the horse were on each side. The right wing kept he for himself to lead. Great Altimore received the left to guide. The middle ward led Muliasis proud, and in that battle fair Armida stood. On the right quarter stood the Indian grim, with Tisiphern and all the king's own band. But where the left wing spread her squadrons trim, o'er the large plain did Altamoro stand, with African and Persian kings with him, and two that came from Meroe's hot sand. And all his crossbows and his slings he placed, where room best served to shoot, to throw, to cast. Thus Emmeren his host put in array, and rode from band to band, from rank to rank. His troopman now, and now himself, doth say what spoil his folk shall gain, what praise, what thank. To him that feared, look up, ours is the day, he says. Vile fear to bold hearts never sank. How dareth one against an hundred fight? Our cry, our shade, will put them all to flight. But to the bold... Go, hardy knight, he says, his prey out of the lion's paws go tear. To some before his thoughts the shape he lays, and makes therein the image true appear. How his sad country him entreats and prays, his house, his loving wife, his children dear. Suppose, quoth he, thy country doth beseech and pray thee thus. Suppose this is her speech. Defend my laws, uphold my temples brave, my blood from washing of my streets withhold. From ravishing my virgins keep, And save thine ancestors' dead bones and ashes cold. To thee thy father's dear and parents' grave Show their uncovered heads white, hoary, old. To thee thy wife, her breasts with tears o'erspread, Thy sons their cradles shows, thy marriage-bed. To all the rest, you, for her honor's sake, Whom Asia makes her champions, by your might upon these thieves, weak, feeble, few, must take a sharp revenge, yet just, deserved, and right. Thus many words in several tongues he spake, and all his sundry nations to sharp fight encouraged. 
But now the dukes had done their speeches all, the hosts together run. It was a great, a strange, and wondrous sight when front to front those noble armies met, how every troop, how in each troop, each knight stood pressed to move, to fight, and praise to get. Loose in the wind wavered their ensign's light, trembled the plumes that on their crests were set, their arms, impresses, colors, gold and stone, against the sunbeams smiled, flamed, sparkled, shone. Of dry-topped oaks they seemed two forests thick, so did each host with spears and pikes abound. Bent were their bows, in rests their lances stick, their hands shook swords, their slings held cobbles round. Each steed to run was ready, pressed and quick at his commander's spur, his hand is sound. He chafes, he stamps, careers, and turns about. He foams, snorts, neighs, and fire and smoke breathes out. Horror itself in that fair sight seemed fair, and pleasure flew amid sad dread and fear. The trumpets shrill that thundered in the air were music mild and sweet to every ear. The faithful camp, though less, Yet seemed more rare in that strange noise, more warlike, shrill and clear, in notes more sweet. The pagan trumpets jar, these sung, their armors shined, these glistered far. The Christian trumpets give the deadly call, the pagans answer and the fight accept. The godly Frenchmen on their knees down fall to pray and kiss the earth, and then upleapt to fight. The land between was vanished all, in combat close each host to other stepped, for now the wings had skirmish hot begun, and with their battles forth the footmen run. But who was first of all the Christian train that gave the onset first, first won renown? Gildippes, thou wert she, for by thee slain the king of Orms, Hyrcano, tumbled down. The man's breast-bone thou closed and rent in twain, so heaven with honor would thee bless and crown. Pierced through he fell, and falling, heard with all his foe praised for her strength and for his fall. Her lance thus broke, the hardy dame forth drew with her strong hand a fine and trenchant blade, and gainst the Persians fierce and bold she flew, and in their troop wide streets and lanes she made. Even in the girdling steed divided new in pieces twain, a pyre on earth she laid. And then Alcaro's head she swept off clean, which like a football tumbled on the green. A blow felled Artaxerxes, but the thrust was Argius slain. The first lay in a trance. Ismael's left hand cut off fell in the dust, for on his wrist her sword fell down by chance. The hand let go the bridle where it lust. The blow upon the courser's ears did glance, who felt the reins at large, and with the stroke half mad, the ranks disordered, troubled, broke. All these and many more by time forgot she slew and wounded, when against her came the angry Persians all, cast on a knot, for on her person would they purchase fame. But her dear spouse and husband wanted not in so great need to aid the noble dame. Thus joined, the haps of war unhurt they prove, their strength was double, Double was their love. The noble lover's use, well might you see, a wondrous guise, till then unseen, unheard. To save themselves, forgot both he and she, each other's life did keep, defend, and guard. The strokes that gainst her lord discharged be, the dame had care to bear, to break, to ward. 
his shield kept off the blows bent on his deer which if need be his naked head should bear so each saved other each for others wrong would vengeance take but not revenge their own the valiant soldan artabano strong a bocken isle by her was overthrown and by his hand the bodies dead among alvante that durst his mistress wound fell down and she between the eyes hit aramont who hurt her lord and cleft in twain his front but altamore who had that wing to lead far greater slaughter on the christians made for where he turned his sword or twined his steed he slew or man and beast on earth down laid happy was he that was at first struck dead that fell not down on live for whom his blade had speared the same cast in the dusty street his horse tore with his teeth bruised with his feet by this brave persian's valor killed and slain were strong brunello and ardonio great the first his head and helm had cleft in twain the last in stranger wise he did entreat for through his heart he pierced and through the vein where laughter had his fountain and his seat so that a dreadful thing believed uneath he laughed for pain and laughed himself to death nor these alone with that accursed knife of this sweet light and breath deprived lie but with that cruel weapon lost their life gentonio guascar rosamond and guy who knows how many in that fatal strife he slew what knights his courser fierce made die the names and countries of the people slain who tells their wounds and deaths who can explain with this fierce king encounter durst not one not one durst combat him in equal field gildippes undertook that task alone no doubt could make her shrink no danger yield by thermodont was never amazon that managed steeled axe or carried shield that seemed so bold as she so strong so light when forth she run to meet that dreadful knight she hit him where with gold and rich omail his diadem did on his helmet flame she broke and cleft the crown and caused him veil his proud and lofty top his crest down came strong seemed her arm that could so well assail the pagan shook for spite and blushed for shame forward he rushed and would at once requite shame with disgrace and with revenge despite right on the front he gave that lady kind a blow so huge so strong so great so sore that out of sense and feeling down she twined but her dear knight his love from ground up bore were it their fortune or his noble mind he stayed his hand and struck the dame no more a lion so stalks by and with proud eyes beholds but scorns to hurt a man that lies this while ormondo false whose cruel hand was armed and pressed to give the traitorous blow with all his fellows mongst godfredo's band entered unseen disguised that few them know the thievish wolves when night o'ershades the land that seem like faithful dogs in shape and show so to the closed folds in secret creep and entrance seek to kill some harmless sheep he approached nigh and to godfredo's side the bloody pagan now was placed near but when his colors gold and white he spied and saw the other signs that forged were see see this traitor false the captain cried that like a frenchman would in show appear behold how near his mates and he are crept this said upon the villain forth he leapt 
deadly he wounded him, and that false knight nor strikes, nor wards, nor striveth to be gone, but, as Medusa's head were in his sight, stood like a man new turned to marble stone. All lances broke, unsheathed all weapons bright, all quivers emptied were on them alone. In parts so many were the traitors cleft, that those dead men had no dead bodies left. When Godfrey was with pagan blood bespread, he entered then the fight, and that was past where the bold Persian fought and combated, where the close ranks he opened, cleft and brassed. Before the night the troops and squadrons fled, as Afric dust before the southern blast. The duke recalled them, in array them placed, stayed those that fled, and him assailed that chased. The champions strong there fought a battle stout. Troy never saw the like Byzanthus old. A conflict sharp there was, meanwhile, on foot, twixt Baldwin good and Muliasis bold. The horsemen also, near the mountain's root, and in both wings, a furious skirmish hold, and where the barbarous duke in person stood, twixt Tisifernes and Adrastus proud. With Emeren, Robert the Norman strove. Long time they fought, yet neither lost nor won. The other Robert's helm the Indian clove, and broke his arms. Their fight would soon be done. From place to place did Tisifernes rove, and found no match. Against him none durst run. But where the press was thickest, thither flew the knight, and at each stroke felled, hurt, or slew. Thus fought they long, yet neither shrink nor yield. In equal balance hung their hope and fear. All full of broken lances lay the field, all full of arms that cloven and chattered were. Of swords, some to the body nail the shield, some cut men's throats, and some their bellies tear. Of bodies, some upright, some groveling lay, and for themselves eat graves out of the clay. Beside his lord slain lay the noble steed, there friend with friend lay killed like lovers true, there foe with foe, the live under the dead, the victor under him whom late he slew. A hoarse, unperfect sound did each where spread, whence neither silence nor plain outcries flew. Their fury roars, ire threats, and woe complains. One weeps, another cries, he sighs for pains. The arms that late so fair and glorious seem, now soiled and slubbered, sad and sullen grow. The steel his brightness lost, the gold his beam. The colors had no pride nor beauty show. The plumes and feathers on their crests that stream are strewed wide upon the earth below. The hosts, both clad in blood, in dust and mire, had changed their cheer, their pride, their rich attire. But now the Moors, Arabians, Ethiops black, on the left wing that held the utmost marge, spread forth their troops, and purposed at the back and side their heedless foes to sail and charge. Slingers and archers were not slow nor slack to shoot and cast, when with his battle large Rinaldo came, whose fury, haste, and ire seemed earthquake, thunder, tempest, storm, and fire. The first he met was Asimir, his throne that set in Meroe's hot sunburnt land. He cut his neck in twain, flesh, skin, and bone. The sable head down tumbled on the sand. But when by death of this black prince alone the taste of blood and conquest once he fanned, whole squadrons then, whole troops to earth he brought. Things wondrous, strange, incredible he wrought. He gave more deaths than strokes, and yet his blows upon his feeble foes fell oft and thick. To move three tongues as a fierce serpent shows, which rolls the one she hath swift, speedy, quick. So thinks each pagan, 
each Arabian trows, he wields three swords, all in one hilt that stick. His readiness their eyes so blinded hath, their dread that wonder bred, fear gave it faith. The Afric tyrants and the negro kings fell down on heaps, drowned each in others' blood. Upon their people ran the knights he brings, pricked forward by their guides and zample good. Killed were the pagans, broke their bows and slings. Some died, some fell, some yielded, none withstood. A massacre was this, no fight. These put their foes to death, those hold their throats to cut. Small while they stood with heart and hardy face, on their bold breasts deep wounds and hurts to bear, but fled away and troubled in the chase their ranks disordered be with too much fear. Rinaldo followed them from place to place, till quite discomfort and dispersed they were. That done he stays, and all his knights recalls, and scorns to strike his foe that flies or falls. Like as the wind stopped by some wood or hill grows strong and fierce, tears boughs and trees in twain, but with mild blasts, more temperate, gentle, still, blows through the ample field or spacious plain. Against the rocks, as sea-waves murmur shrill, but silent pass amid the open main. Rinaldo so, when none his force withstood, assuaged his fury, calmed his angry mood. He scorned upon their fearful backs that fled to wreak his ire and spend his force in vain. But gainst the footmen strong his troops he led, whose side the moors had open left and plain. The Africans that should have succored that battle all were run away or slain. Upon their flank, with force and courage stout, his men-at-arms assailed the bands on foot. He brake their pikes, and brake their close array, entered their battle, felled them down around. So wind or tempest with impetuous sway the ears of ripened corn strikes flat to ground. With blood, arms, bodies dead, the hardened clay plastered the earth. No grass nor green was found. The horsemen running through and through their bands kill, murder, slay, few scape, not one withstands. Rinaldo came where his forlorn Armide sat in her golden chariot mounted high. A noble guard she had on every side of lords, of lovers, and much chivalry. She knew the man when first his arms she spied. Love, hate, wrath, sweet desire strove in her eye. He changed some deal his look and countenance bold. She changed from frost to fire, from heat to cold. The prince passed by the chariot of his dear, like one that did his thoughts elsewhere bestow, yet suffered not her knights and lovers near their rival so to scape without and blow. One drew his sword, another couched his spear, herself an arrow sharp set in her bow, disdain her ire new sharped and kindled hath, but love appeased her, love assuaged her wrath. Love bridled fury and revived of new his fire, not dead though buried in displeasure. Three times her angry hand the bow updrew, and thrice again let slack the string at leisure. But wrath prevailed at last, the reed outflew, for love finds mean, but hatred knows no measure. Out flew the shaft, but with the shaft this charm, this wish she sent, heaven granted do no harm. She bids the reed return the way it went, and pierce her heart, which so unkind could prove. Such force had love, though lost and vainly spent. What strength hath happy, kind, and mutual love? But she that gentle thought did straight repent, 
wrath, fury, kindness in her bosom strove. She would, she would not, that she missed or hit, her eyes, her heart, her wishes followed it. But yet in vain the quarrel lighted not, for on his hauberk hard the knight had hit, too hard for woman's shaft or woman's shot, instead of piercing, there it broke and split. He turned away. She burnt with fury hot, and thought he scorned her power, and in that fit shot oft and oft, her shafts no entrance found, and while she shot, love gave her wound on wound. And is he then unpierceable, quoth she, that neither force nor foe he needs regard, his limbs perchance armed with that hardness be which makes his heart so cruel and so hard? No shot that flies from eye or hand I see hurts him, such rigor doth his person guard. Armed or disarmed, his foe or mistress kind, despised alike, like hate, like scorn I find. But what new form is left, device or art, by which to this exchanged I might find grace? For in my knights and all that take my part I see no help, no hope, no trust I place. To his great prowess, might, and valiant heart all strength is weak, all courage vile and base. This said she, for she saw how through the field her champions fly, faint, tremble, fall, and yield. No left alone can she her person save, but to be slain or taken stands in fear. Though with her bow a javelin long she have, yet weak was Phoebe's bow, blunt palace spear. But as the swan that sees the eagle brave, threatening her flesh and silver plumes to tear, falls down to hide her amongst the shady brooks, such were her fearful motions, such her looks. But Altamore, this while that strove and sought from shameful flight his Persian host to stay, that was discomfort and destroyed to naught, whilst he alone maintained the fight and fray, seeing distressed the goddess of his thought, to aid her ran, nay, flew, and laid away all care both of his honor and his host. If she were safe, let all the world be lost. To the ill-guarded chariot swift he flew, his weapon made him way with bloody war. Meanwhile, Lord Godfrey and Rinaldo slew his feeble bands, his people murdered are. He saw their loss, but aided not his crew, a better lover than a leader far. He set Armida safe, then turned again with tardy succor, for his folk were slain. And on that side the woeful prince beheld the battle lost. No help nor hope remained. But on the other wing the Christians yield, and fly such vantage there the Egyptians gained. One of the Roberts was nigh slain in field, the other by the Indian strong constrained to yield himself his captive and his slave. Thus equal loss and equal foil they have. Godfredo took the time and season fit to bring again his squadrons in array, and either camp well ordered, ranged, and knit, renewed the furious battle fight and fray. New streams of blood were shed, new swords them hit, New combats fought, new spoils were borne away, and unresolved and doubtful on each side did praise and conquest, Mars and fortune ride. Between the armies twain, while thus the fight waxed sharp, hot, cruel, though renewed but late, the soldan clomb up to the tower's height, and saw far off their strife and fell debate, as from some stage or theatre the knight saw played the tragedy of human state, saw death blood, murder, woe, and horror strange, and the great acts of fortune, chance, and change. At first astonished and amazed he stood, then burnt with wrath, and self-consuming ire swelled in his bosom like a raging flood. To be amid that battle, such desire, such haste he had, 
he donned his helmet good, his other arms he had before entire. Up, up, he cried, no more, no more within this fortress stay, come, follow, die or win. Whether the same were providence divine that made him leave the fortress he possessed, for that the empire proud of Palestine this day should fall to rise again more blessed, or that he breaking felt the fatal line of life and would meet death with constant breast, furious and fierce he did the gates unbar and sudden rage brought forth and sudden war nor stayed he till the folk on whom he cried assemble might but out alone he flies a thousand foes the man alone defied and ran among a thousand enemies but with his fury called from side to side the rest ran out and aladdin forth eyes the cowards had no fear the wise no care this was not hope nor courage but despair the dreadful Turk with sudden blows downcast the first he met, nor gave them time to plain or pray, in murdering them he made such haste, that dead they fell ere one could see them slain. From mouth to mouth, from eye to eye, forth passed the fear and terror, that the faithful train of Syrian folk, not used to dangerous fight, were broken, scattered, and nigh put to flight. But with less terror and disorder less, the Gascoins kept array, and kept their ground, though most the loss and peril them oppress, unwares assailed they were, unready found. No ravening tooth or talon hard, I guess, a beast or eager hawk doth slay, and wound so many sheep or fowls, weak, feeble, small, as his sharp sword killed knights and soldiers tall. It seemed his thirst and hunger swage he would with their slain bodies and their blood poured out. With him his troops, and Aladino old, slew the besiegers, killed the Gascoigne's rout, but Raymond ran to meet the Soldan bold, nor to encounter him had fear or doubt, though his right hand by proof too well he know, which laid him late for dead at one huge blow. They met, and Raymond fell amid the field, this blow again upon his forehead light. It was the fault and weakness of his yield, age is not fit to bear strokes of such might. Each one lift up his sword, advanced his shield, those would destroy, and these defend the knight. On went the soldan, for the man he thought was slain, or easily might be captive brought. Among the rest he ran, he raged, he smote, and in small space, small time, great wonders wrought. And as his rage him led, and fury hote to kill and murder, matter new he sought, as from his supper poor, with hungry throat, a peasant hastes to a rich feast to brought. So from this skirmish to the battle great he ran, and quenched with blood his fury's heat. Where battered was the wall, he sallied out, and to the field in haste and heat he goes. With him went rage and fury, fear and doubt remained behind among his scattered foes. To win the conquest strove his squadron stout, which he unperfect left, yet loath to lose the day, the Christians fight, resist, and die, and ready were to yield, retire, and fly. The Gascoigne bands retired, but kept array, the Syrian people ran away outright. The fight was near the place where Tancred lay, his house was full of noise and greater fright. He rose, and looked forth to see the fray, though every limb were weak, faint, void of might. He saw the country lie, his men o'erthrown, some beaten back, some killed, some fellowed down. Courage in noble hearts that ne'er is spent, yet fainted not, though faint were every limb, but reinforced each member cleft and rent, and want of blood and strength supplied in him. In his left hand his heavy shield he hent, nor seemed the weight too great. His curtlax trim his right hand drew, nor for more arms he stood or stayed. He needs no more whose heart is good. 
but coming forth cried, Whither will you run and leave your leader to his foes in prey? What, shall these heathen of his armor won in their vile temples hang up trophies gay? Go home to Gascoigne then, and tell his son that where his father died you ran away. This said, against a thousand armed foes he did his breast, weak, naked, sick, oppose, and with his heavy, strong, and mighty targe, that with seven hard bull's hides was surely lined, and strengthened with a cover thick and large of stiff and well-attempered steel behind, he shielded Raymond from the furious charge, from swords, from darts, from weapons of each kind, and all his foes drove back with his sharp blade, that sure and safe he lay, as in a shade. Thus saved, thus shielded, Raymond gan respire. He rose and reared himself in little space, and in his bosom burnt the double fire of vengeance. Wrath his heart, shame filled his face. He looked around to spy, such was his ire, the man whose stroke had laid him in that place, whom when he sees not, for disdain he quakes, and on his people sharp revengement takes. The Gascoigne's turn again, their lord in haste to venge their loss, his band reordered brings. The troop that durst so much now stood aghast, for where sad fear grew late, now boldness springs. Now followed they that fled, fled they that chased. So in one hour altereth the state of things. Raymond requites his loss, shame, hurt, and all, and with an hundred deaths revenged one fall. Whilst Raymond wreaked thus his just disdain on the proud heads of captains, lords, and peers, he spies great Sion's king amid the train, and to him leaps, and high his sword he rears, and on his forehead strikes and strikes again, till helm and head he breaks, he cleaves, he tears. Down fell the king, the guiltless land he bit, that now keeps him, because he kept not it. Their guides one murdered thus, the other gone, the troops divided were in diverse thought. Despair made some run headlong against their phone to seek sharp death that comes uncalled, unsought, and some that laid their hope on flight alone fled to their fort again. Yet chance so wrought that with the flyers in the victors pass, and so the fortress won and conquered was. The hold was won, slain were the men that fled, in courts, halls, chambers high, above, below. Old Raymond, fast up to the leads, him sped, and there, a victory true sign and show, his glorious standard to the wind he spread, that so both armies his success might know. But Solomon saw not the town was lost, for far from thence he was, and near the host. Into the field he came, the lukewarm blood did smoke and flow through all the purple field, there of sad death the court and palace stood, There did he triumphs lead and trophies build. An armed steed fast by the soldan yode, That had no guide nor lord the reins to wield. The tyrant took the bridle and bestrode The courser's empty back, and forth he rode. Great, yet but short and sudden, Was the aid that to the pagans faint and weak he brought. A thunderbolt he was, you would have said. Great, yet that comes and goes as swift as thought, and of his coming swift and flight unstayed, eternal signs in hardest rocks hath wrought, for by his hand an hundred knights were slain, but time forgot hath all their names but twain. Gildippe's fair, and Edward thy dear lord, 
your noble death, sad end, and woeful fate, if so much power our vulgar tongue afford, to all strange wits, strange ears, let me dilate, that ages all your love and sweet accord, your virtue, prowess, worth may imitate, and some kind servant of true love that hears may grace your death, my verses, with some tears. The noble lady thither boldly flew where the fierce Soldan fought, and him defied. Two mighty blows she gave the Turk untrue, one cleft his shield, the other pierced his side. The prince, the damsel by her habit knew. See, see this mankind strumpet, see, he cried, this shameless whore, for thee fit weapons were thy kneeled and spindle, not a sword and spear. This said, full of disdain, rage and despite, a strong, a fierce, a deadly stroke he gave, and pierced her armor, pierced her bosom white, were they no blows but blows of love to have. Her dying hand let go the bridle quite, she faints, she falls, twixt life and death she strave. Her lord to help her came, but came too late, yet was not that his fault, it was his fate. What should he do? To diverse parts him called just ire and pity kind. One bids him go and succor his dear lady, like to fall. The other calls for vengeance on his foe. Love biddeth both. Love says he must do all. And with his ire joins grief, with pity woe. What did he then? With his left hand the knight would hold her up, revenge her with his right. But to resist against a knight so bold, to weak his will and power divided were, so that he could not his fair love uphold, nor kill the cruel man that slew his dear, his arm that did his mistress kind enfold, the Turk cut off. Pale grew his looks and cheer, he let her fall, himself fell by her side, and, for he could not save her, with her died. As the high elm, whom his dear vine hath twined fast in her hundred arms and holds embraced, bears down to earth his spouse and darling kind, if storm or cruel steel the tree downcast, and her full grapes to naught doth bruise and grind, spoils his own leaves, faints, withers, dies at last, and seems to mourn and die, not for his own, but for her death with him that lies o'erthrown. So fell he mourning, mourning for the dame whom life and death had made forever his, they would have spoke, but not one word could frame. Deep sobs their speech, sweet sighs their languages. Each gazed on other's eyes, and, while the same is lawful, join their hands, embrace, and kiss. And thus, sharp death, their knot of life untied. Together fainted they, together died. But now swift fame her nimble wings dispread, And told each where their chance, their fate, their fall. Rinaldo heard the case by one that fled from the fierce Turk, And brought him news of all. Disdain, goodwill, woe, wrath, the champion led to take revenge. Shame, grief, or vengeance call. But as he went, Adrastus with his blade forestalled the way, And show of combat made. The giant cried, by sundry signs I note, that whom I wish I search, thou, thou art he. I mark each worthy shield, his helm, his coat, and all this day have called and cried for thee. 
to my sweet saint I have thy head devote. Thou must my sacrifice, my offering be. Come, let us hear our strength and courage try. Thou art Armida's foe, her champion I. Thus he defied him. On his front before and on his throat he struck him, yet the blow his helmet neither bruised, cleft, nor tore, but in his saddle made him bend and bow. Rinaldo hit him on the flank so sore that neither art nor herb could help him now. Down fell the giant strong. One blow such power such puissance had. So falls a thundered tower. With horror, fear, amazedness, and dread, cold were the hearts of all that saw the fray, and Solomon that viewed that noble deed trembled. His paleness did his fear bewray, for in that stroke he did his end a reed. He wist not what to think, to do, to say, a thing in him unused, rare, and strange. But so doth heaven men's hearts turn, alter, change. As when the sick or frantic men oft dream in their unquiet sleep and slumber short, and think they run some speedy course, and seem to move their legs and feet in hasty sort, yet feel their limbs far slower than the stream of their vain thoughts that bears them in this sport, and oft would speak, would cry, would call or shout, yet neither sound nor voice nor word send out, so run to fight the angry Soldan would, and did enforce his strength, his might, his ire, yet felt not in himself his courage old, his wonted force, his rage and hot desire, his eyes that sparkled wrath and fury bold, grew dim and feeble, fear had quenched that fire and in his heart an hundred passions fought, yet not on fear or base retire, he thought. While unresolved he stood, the victor knight arrived, and seemed in quickness, haste, and speed, in boldness, greatness, goodliness, and might, above all princes born of human seed. The Turk small while resists, not death nor fight made him forget his state or race, through dread. He fled no strokes, he fetched no groan or sigh, Bold were his motions last, proud, stately, high. Now when the Soldan, in these battles past, that Antius-like oft fell, oft rose again, evermore fierce more fell, fell down at last to lie forever, when this prince was slain, fortune that seld is stable, firm or fast, no longer durst resist the Christian train, but ranged herself in row with Godfrey's knights. With them she serves, she runs, she rides, she fights. The pagan troops, the king's own squadron, fled. Of all the east, the strength, the pride, the flower. Late called immortal, now discomfited, it lost that title proud and lost all power. To him that with the royal standard fled, thus Emoreno said with speeches sour. Art not thou he to whom to bear I gave my king's great banner and his standard brave? This ensign, Remedon, I gave not thee to be the witness of thy fear and flight. Coward, dost thou thy lord and captain see in battle strong, and runs thyself from fight? What seek'st thou? Safety? Come, return with me. The way to death is path to virtue right. Here let him fight that would escape, for this the way to honor, way to safety is. The man returned, and swelled with scorn and shame. The duke with speeches grave exhorts the rest. He threats, he strikes some time till back they came, and rage gainst force, despair gainst death addressed. Thus of his broken armies gan he frame a battle now, 
some hope dwelt in his breast but tisaphernes bold revived him most who fought and seemed to win when all was lost wonders that day wrought noble tisiphern the hardy normans all he overthrew the flemings fled before the champion stern garnier rogero gerard bold he slew his glorious deeds to praise and fame etern his life's short date prolonged enlarged and drew and then as he that set sweet life at naught the greatest peril danger most he sought he spied rinaldo and although his field of azure purple now and sanguine shows and though the silver bird amid his shield were armed jewels yet he the champion knows and says here greatest peril is heavens yield strength to my courage fortune to my blows that fair armida her revenge may see help macon for his arms i vow to thee thus prayed he but all his vows were vain mahoon was deaf or slept in heavens above and as a lion strikes him with his train his native wrath to quicken and to move so he awaked his fury and disdain and sharped his courage on the whetstone love himself he saved behind his mighty targe and forward spurred his steed and gave the charge the christian saw the hardy warrior come and leaped forth to undertake the fight the people round about gave place and room and wondered on that fierce and cruel sight some praised their strength their skill and courage some such and so desperate blows struck either knight that all that saw forgot both ire and strife their wounds their hurts forgot both death and life one struck the other did both strike and wound his arms were surer and his strength was more from tisafern the blood streamed down around his shield was cleft his helm was rent and tore the dame that saw his blood besmear the ground his armor broke limbs weak wounds deep and sore and all her guard dead fled and overthrown thought now her field lay waste her hedge lay down environed with so brave a troop but late now stood she in her chariot all alone she feared bondage and her life did hate all hope of conquest and revenge was gone half mad and half amazed from where she sat she leaped down and fled from friends and phone on a swift horse she mounts and forth she rides alone save for disdain and love her guides in days of old queen cleopatra so alone fled from the fight and cruel fray against augustus great his happy foe leaving her lord to loss and sure decay and as that lord for love let honor go followed her flying sails and lost the day so tisiphon the fair and fearful dame would follow but his foe forbids the same but when the pagan's joy and comfort fled it seemed the sun was set the day was night gainst the brave prince with whom he combated he turned and on the forehead struck the knight when thunders forged are in typhius bed not bronte's hammer falls so swift so right the furious stroke fell on rinaldo's crest and made him bend his head down to his breast the champion in his stirrups high upstart and cleft his hauberk hard and tender side and sheathed his weapon in the pagan's heart the castle where man's life and soul do bide the cruel sword his breast and hinder part with double wound unclosed and opened wide and two large doors made for his life and breath which passed and cured hot love 
with frozen death. This done, Rinaldo stayed and looked around where he should harm his foes or help his friends. Nor of the pagans saw he squadron sound, each standard falls, ensign to earth descends. His fury quiet then and calm he found, there all his wrath, his rage and rancor ends. He called to mind how far from help or aid Armida fled, alone, amazed, afraid. Well saw he when she fled, and with that sight the prince had pity, courtesy, and care. He promised her to be her friend and knight, when erst he left her in the island bare. The way she fled he ran and rode aright, her palfrey's feet signs in the grass out where. But she this while found out an ugly shade, fit place for death where naught could life persuade. Well pleased was she with those shadows brown, and yet displeased with luck, with life, with love. There from her steed she lighted, there laid down her bows and shafts, her arms that helpless prove. There lie with shame, she says, disgraced, o'erthrown, blunt are the weapons, blunt the arms I move, weak to revenge my harms, or harm my foe, my shafts are blunt. Ah, love, would thine were so. Alas, among so many could not one, not one draw blood, one wound, or rend his skin. All other breasts to you are marble stone. Dare you then pierce a woman's bosom thin? See, see, my naked heart, on this alone employ your force, this fort is eath to win, and love will shoot you from his mighty bow. Weak is the shot that dripple falls in snow. I pardon will your fear and weakness past. Be strong, mine arrows, cruel, sharp, gainst me. Ah, wretch, how is thy chance and fortune cast, If placed in these thy good and comfort be? But since all hope is vain, all help is waste, Since hurts, ease hurts, wounds must cure wounds in thee, Then... With thine arrow's stroke, cure stroke of love. Death for thy heart must salve and surgeon prove. And happy me, if being dead and slain, I bear not with me this strange plague to hell. Love, stay behind. Come thou with me, disdain, and with my wronged soul forever dwell. Or else with it turn to the world again, and vex that night with dreams and visions fell. And tell him, when twixt life and death I strove, My last wish was revenge, last word was love. And with that word, half mad, half dead, she seems, An arrow, poignant, strong, and sharp, she took. When her dear knight found her in these extremes, Now fit to die, and pass the Stygian brook, Now pressed to quench her own and beauty's beams, Now death sat on her eyes, death in her look, when to her back he stepped, and stayed her arm, stretched forth to do that service last, last harm. She turns, and, ere she knows, her lord she spies, whose coming was unwished, unthought, unknown. She shrieks, and twines away her stainful eyes from his sweet face. She falls dead in a swoon, falls as a flower half cut that bending lies, he held her up, and, lest she tumble down, under her tender side his arm he placed, his hand her girdle loosed, her gown unlaced, and her fair face, fair bosom, he bedews with tears, 
tears of remorse, of ruth, of sorrow. As the pale rose her color lost renews with the fresh drops fallen from the silver morrow, so she revives and cheeks empurpled shows, moist with her own tears and with tears they borrow. Thrice looked she up, her eyes thrice closed she, as who say, Let me die ere look on thee. And his strong arm, with weak and feeble hand, she would have thrust away, loosed and untwined. Oft strove she, but in vain, to break that band, for he, the hold he got, not yet resigned. Herself fast bound in those dear knots she fanned. Dear, though she feigned scorn, strove and repined. At last she speaks, she weeps, complains and cries, yet durst not, did not, would not see his eyes. Cruel at thy departure, at return as cruel, say what chance thee hither guideth. Wouldst thou prevent her death, whose heart forlorn for thee, for thee death strokes each hour divideth? Comest thou to save my life? Alas, what scorn, what torment for Armida poor abideth? No, no, thy crafts and slights I will descry, but she can little do that cannot die. Thy triumph is not great, nor well arrayed, unless in chains thou lead a captive dame, a dame now ta'en by force before betrayed. This is thy greatest glory, greatest fame. Time was that thee of love and life I prayed. Let death now end my love, my life, my shame. Yet, let not thy false hand bereave this breath, for if it were thy gift, hateful were death. Cruel, myself an hundred ways can find to rid me from thy malice, from thy hate, if weapons sharp, if poisons of all kind, if fire, if strangling fail in that estate, yet ways enough I know to stop this wind. A thousand entries hath the house of fate. I'll leave these flatteries, leave weak hope to move. Cease, cease, my hope is dead, dead is my love. Thus mourned she, and from her watery eyes disdain and love dropped down, rolled up in tears. From his pure fountains ran two streams likewise, wherein chaste pity and mild ruth appears. Thus with sweet words the queen he pacifies. Madam, appease your grief, your wrath, your fears, for to be crowned, not scorned, your life I save. Your foe, nay, but your friend, your knight, your slave. But if you trust no speech, no oath, no word, yet in mine eyes my zeal, my truth behold. For to that throne whereof thy sire was lord, I will restore thee, crown thee with that gold. And if high heaven would so much grace afford as from thy heart this cloud, this veil unfold of paganism, in all the east no dame should equalize thy fortune, state, and fame. Thus plaineth he, thus prays, and his desire endears with sighs that fly and tears that fall. That as against the warmth of Titan's fire snow drifts consume on tops of mountains tall, so melts her wrath but love remains entire. Behold, she says, your handmaid and your thrall, my life, my crown, my wealth, use at your pleasure. Thus death her life became, loss proved her treasure. 
This while the captain of the Egyptian host that saw his royal standard laid on ground, saw Rimadon, that ensign's prop and post, by Godfrey's noble hand killed with one wound, and all his folk discomfort, slain and lost. No coward was in this last battle found, but rode about and sought, nor sought in vain, some famous hand of which he might be slain. Against Lord Godfrey boldly out he flew, for nobler foe he wished not, could not spy. Of desperate courage showed he tokens true, where'er he joined or stayed or passed by, and cried to the duke as near he drew, Behold, of thy strong hand I come to die, yet trust to overthrow thee with my fall, my castle's ruin shall break down thy wall. This said, forth spurred they both, both high advanced their swords aloft, both struck at once, both hit, his left arm wounded had the knight of France, his shield was pierced, his vaunt brace cleft and split, the pagan backward fell, half in a trance, on his left ear his foe so hugely smit, and as he sought to rise, Godfredo's sword pierced him through, so died that army's lord. Of his great host, when Emeren was dead, fled the small remnant that alive remained, Godfrey aspired as he turned his steed, great Altamore on foot with blood all stained, with half a sword, half helm upon his head, against whom a hundred fought, yet not one gained. Cease, cease this strife, he cried, and thou, brave knight, yield. I am Godfrey, yield thee to my might. He that till then his proud and haughty heart to act of humbleness did never bend, when that great name he heard, from the north part of our wide world renowned to Ethiop's end, answered, I yield to thee, thou worthy art, I am thy prisoner, fortune is thy friend, on Altamoro great thy conquest bold of glory shall be rich and rich of gold. My loving queen, my wife and lady kind, shall ransom me with jewels, gold and treasure. God shield, quoth Godfrey, that my noble mind should praise and virtue so by profit measure. All that thou hast from Persia and from Ind, enjoy it still, therein I take no pleasure. I set no rent on life, no price on blood. I fight and sell not war for gold or good. This said, he gave him to his knights to keep, and after those that fled his course he bent. They to their rampiers fled in trenches deep, yet could not so death's cruel stroke prevent. The camp was won, and all in blood doth steep. The blood in rivers streamed from tent to tent, its soil defiled, defaced all the prey, shields, helmets, armors, plumes, and feathers gay. Thus conquered Godfrey, and as yet the sun dived not in silver waves his golden wane, but daylight served him to the fortress one with his victorious host to turn again. His bloody coat he put not off, but run to the high temple with his noble train, and there hung up his arms, and there he bows his knees, there prayed, and there performed his vow. End of Jerusalem Delivered by Torquato Tasso Translated by Edward Fairfax